Hello, and welcome to LSA Sermon-Based Podcast. Today, we have a guest speaker, Rachel Hilliker, is here to kick off our new series, Stories, where we go through an Old Testament character each week. And now, here is Rachel Hilliker. Well, good morning. It is quite an honor for me to be here with all of you. Uh, As Brian mentioned, I have known him for a really long time. Well, 24 years feels like a long time at this point. And uh, I have tremendous respect for him and for Lisa. You know, the first time I met Brian, he was dressed as a French painter. So he had the beret and the fake mustache and the handkerchief around his neck and this striped white and black shirt, and he had a palette. It was the whole picture, you know? So why was he dressed like that? Well, because he was going to do anything to win Lisa. (laughs) And uh, that's a story for another day. But one thing I know about both of them is that they are two people who will do anything that God asks them to do, even if it costs them dearly. And isn't that something that each of us would want said of us and our lives too? Amen? Amen. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you a story. A story about a woman who just really inspires me. And a story that I believe the Lord wants to highlight again for all of us in this hour. It's the story of Jochebed. And Jochebed was the mother of three leaders in the Exodus generation, Miriam, Aaron, and of course, Moses. So Jochebed isn't actually mentioned in scripture all that much, and when she is, she's typically not mentioned by name. The bulk of scripture references to her are found in Exodus chapter 2 for about six verses, specifically pertaining to the birth of Moses. And then there's a passing mention of her genealogy in Numbers 26, and a reiteration of her her heroic acts of faith, both in Hebrews 11 and Acts 7. That's it. So what do we know about Jochebed? Well, Jochebed was a descendant of Levi, one of the leaders of the 12 Israeli tribes. And she grew up a slave. She and the rest of the Israeli nation, also known as the Hebrew people, lived and worked as slaves among the mightiest people on earth at the time, the Egyptians. And for 400 years, slavery was their reality. And as time went on, Egypt became more and more oppressive towards the Israelites. Why? Well, in a nutshell, there were a whole lot of Hebrews. And in ancient cultures, greater numbers meant greater strength. And so, by virtue of the fact that there were so many of them, the Hebrews had the potential to rally, to revolt, to even leave the country if they got powerful enough or allied with an enemy nation against Egypt. And so to dampen this potential, the Egyptians put slave drivers over 
the Israelites and made their lives really hard with forced labor that was designed to break them and take their strength. There was just one problem. The more Egypt oppressed Israel, the stronger Israel became. To the point that the Egyptians were actually afraid of them. They were like, we can't stop these guys from growing and spreading and multiplying and being very, very fruitful. We try to break them, they get stronger. So what do we do now? And so Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, in his crafty dealings with Israel, concocted a plan to destroy, to completely annihilate an entire generation of Hebrew soldiers. How? Well, the first thing he did was to tell the Hebrew midwives to kill any male infants at delivery. But the midwives had such a profound reverence for God in them that they wouldn't do it. And they had their own crafty dealings with Pharaoh to get away with it. So when Pharaoh realized, okay, this isn't going to work, he sent out an edict to his own people saying that every male born to the Hebrews was to be thrown into the Nile River and drowned. Now, as some of you may be aware, the Nile River was a source of life and sustenance, not just for the people in Egypt, but for like the people in 10 or 11 countries surrounding Egypt. That was one big river. But now, under the king's edict, it was about to become a graveyard for an entire generation of God's men. Because one way or another, Egypt was going to destroy them. Now, how many of you would have signed up to be Hebrew parents at that time in history? Yeah, I didn't think I'd see any hands. And my hand's not going up because that's scary stuff. But you see, what no one realized was that messy, horrific, oppressive, bloody state of affairs was actually a critical juncture in time for the people of God. And at every critical juncture, God sends in his critical leaders. And this juncture called for fearless parents. It called for a fearless mother who would live by faith, not by sight. Because unbeknownst to Jochebed, she was carrying in her womb the one who would one day lead the slave nation into freedom. Acts 7.20 in the Amplified Version says this, It was at this critical time that Moses was born. Don't you love that? I love that scripture. It was at this critical time that Moses was born. You know, you know that riff from Eye of the Tiger? Uh, 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 uh. Y'all know it? Uh, uh, uh. Rocky? Bring back any bells? Dun, dun, dun. That riff and that scripture, personally, I just feel they work beautifully together. But you know, no one was cueing Eye of the Tiger when Moses was born. He's nobody special. He's just another Hebrew baby born to another Hebrew slave. Nobody saw anything important about him. <gasps> or 
did they? Enter Jochebed. When her son Moses was born, God opened her eyes and allowed her to discern some very key things about him. He gave her a discernment that motivated her to actually hide him and try to save his life. This is what it says in the Amplified Version. She saw that he was especially beautiful and healthy. A beautiful and divinely favored child. And so, she and her husband, Amram, were not afraid of the king's decree. That baby boy was going nowhere because they were seeing as God saw. He was special. I remember it was over 20 years ago, once again. I'm feeling a little bit old up here this morning. And one of my girlfriends had had a baby boy. And so I went over to visit him, to meet him. And he's there in my arms. And he is all cuteness and rolls. And he's fast asleep. And he's just in a diaper. And as I'm looking at him, I had this overwhelming impression. This one is one of God's righteous champions. Now let me tell you something. It's a bit odd to feel intimidated by a diapered, sleeping baby. But I still remember that feeling to this day. And I expect great things from that young man's life. And I wonder if that was a taste of what Jochebed experienced as she held her son. Maybe it went something like this for her. There is something important about this one. He carries a weight, a divine purpose that I can't articulate, but I can't deny. And I'm aware that he has been entrusted to me. And so I don't care what the king has said. It may cost me my life, but there is no way I'm bowing to his decree. Faith fuels fearlessness. Let me say that again. Faith fuels fearlessness. You see, the Father allows us to see what he sees at critical junctures in time so that when we are called to act, we can act with courage and boldness. Seeing what he sees, hearing as he hears, breeds a supernatural, holy confidence in each one of us that says, it's all going to be okay, and I don't know how, and it actually looks pretty impossible, and it sure doesn't make sense. But there's divine favor on this, and somehow God himself will see it through. That, my friends, is living with supernatural assurance. That's living with fearless faith. That's what it is to be as bold as a lion. Consider something. Jochebed grew up a slave as part of a slave nation. A nation that in all honesty was probably starting to lose hope for deliverance after 400 years, day in, day out, the same deal, right? She had so many reasons to dismiss what God had showed her. Well, that's nice, but 
We've been slaves for 400 years. I'm just one woman. Nothing's really going to change. This is just another baby boy. What difference does it all make anyway? And she could have allowed herself to be swallowed in despair by what was happening around her. She could have given in to unbelief that anything she was doing made a difference, that anything she had been entrusted with was actually divinely favored. She could have. And she could have let her baby die. But instead, by faith, Jochebed decides, I will nourish and hide this child for as long as I can because there's divine favor here on what has been entrusted to me. And I will not bow to Pharaoh. And that woman went down in history because of that faith. Now I'm going to stop the Jochebed train here for a minute because there's another piece of this puzzle, or rather a person in this story that has not yet been acknowledged and really needs to be. That person is her husband, Amram. Now, this picture... Let's just talk about this for a minute. When I saw this drawing, it told me that we need to employ the artist formerly known as Naomi McGuffin to start painting pictures of Amram. Because the truth is, when you look, everybody wants to paint Moses, and a whole lot of people want to paint Jacobit. But the artistic pickings for Amram are pretty slim. So I apologize for this slide. However, I did choose it because I felt it captured the idea of teamwork that would have been so critical in this story. Do you think for a second that Jochebed would have been able to hide her son successfully if Amram wasn't on board? Do you think she would have been able to do it if he didn't also see what she saw in Moses? If God hadn't opened his eyes as well? If he wasn't her spiritual partner in this? Nah. You see, it took both of them to hide him in faith. And Amram is all too often the unsung hero in the story of Moses. And you know, I wonder how many people are sitting in this room today or watching online and you're the unsung heroes in the story that God is writing in your family because everyone might know your spouse's name maybe everybody knows your kid's name but nobody really knows about you maybe no one's even heard of your name how many of you knew Amram's name before this morning right but I want to tell you this morning that God sees you God sees all of it, and he knows your name, and he honors you for the role you have played as the unsung hero. And I stand here this morning on behalf of this community, and I thank you, and I say, we honor you too. Thank you for loving your tribe, even at great cost, even at great risk. Well done. Okay, back to Jochebed. So for three months, she needs to hide this baby boy and keep him quiet so that none of the Egyptians hear him come into the house and drag him away. 
Now, this is an intensive labor of love and faith on Jochebed's part. And for those of you who may not appreciate all that had to go into this, I just want to help unpack that for you this morning with a little illustration. You see, when my children were born, I was really bothered by the sound of their crying, especially in the first six months. And we know that this is a natural response, hardwired into mothers to help foster attachment with the baby. So I figured out pretty quickly that the only way to keep my babies from crying all the time was to keep them on me all the time. So you know those um, baby slings that they have? Carry the baby, baby carriers. You guys all familiar with those? Okay. So I had like six of them. All different colors, all different designs, all different pressure points on the body so that there was no way my body was going to get overtaxed from carrying babies on me for six months. <laughs> and I could be in the house with every window open because all my babies were born in the spring and nobody would know that there's a baby in the house because I had a mommy all the time. And when they got hungry, they'd have a little mommy milk and they'd go back to sleep. And I was in pajamas and bedhead and half awake for six months, but my babies were content. Now, I am human, so I would go to take a shower or I would go out for a walk by myself to get a little bit of fresh air, a bit of a break. And I give that baby to my husband. And all those windows are open and within 30 seconds, everybody in the neighborhood knows that there's a baby in the house. Now, I want to say, my husband, Ben, he's an amazing dad. But I think we can all agree that parenting is a learned skill on a lot of fronts. And I wonder if Moses was kept that close to Jochebed for those three months to keep him quiet, hidden by a mother who knew that God had more for her son than an oppressive society did. Now, we all know that babies leave the sling. No healthy baby boy is going to stay quiet for long. And at three months of age, Moses is becoming more responsive to sounds. He's waving his arms and legs. He's doing some tummy time. He's holding his head up, even laughing. And pretty soon, everybody's going to know that there's a baby in the house. So Jochebed, knowing that she can't hide him anymore, yet compelled by the knowledge that God has a great divine purpose for her son, painstakingly crafts a waterproof basket made from papyrus reeds, puts him in, and releases him into a river over 6,000 kilometers long. The Nile River, teeming with hippos, water snakes, crocodiles. Now we know that she placed him along the banks of the river among the reeds, presumably because that was a place of greater safety for him. But I'm telling you, reeds or not, that's crocodile territory. And I wonder how many of you parents, uncles, aunts, cousins, grandparents, are being faced with a similar decision right now, or will be in the near future. People in places of great influence are saying, 
You will do this with your child. You will hand them over to this agenda designed for their destruction. You will release them into territory full of predators. And you have a choice. You always have a choice. The choice to shrink back, to cower, to acquiesce in despair will always be there. And many have eaten of that fruit, even among the elect. But we are the redeemed. We are the Lord's anointed and appointed ones now. This is our watch. You and I are called to be the fearless mothers, fathers, grandparents, mentors, teachers, elders in this hour. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to rise with a holy confidence that the kids entrusted to us have within them a divine purpose for this hour, and they are not to be abandoned. What will you choose? Most, if not all of you, know how this story ends. The daughter of the Pharaoh, who many theologians suspect was unable to have children, sees Moses in the river. Her cry, or his cries touch her heart with compassion. She sees immediately that it's a Hebrew child. And she employs Jochebed to be his wet nurse. And Hebrew, ba- Hebrew mothers fed their babies for two to four years with breast milk. That's a good chunk of time. And so this woman who has released her son out of her control into the hands of God alone finds that those same hands return him to her bosom. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just have the signature of our father all over it? Can you imagine her joy, her laughter, her relief, the sobbing? We serve a God who not only loves having the last laugh, he will have it, make no mistake. You see, at every critical juncture, God puts his critical leaders. Moses was one of them, yes. So was Jochebed, a nursing mother who honored God in the invisibility of her home, who nourished and interceded for her son, the leader of the slave nation, before anyone knew who he really was. A woman who by faith released her especially beautiful, healthy boy into crocodile territory. Assured. Fearless. Even through the tears and questions that were undoubtedly there. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let me tell you something this morning. At this time in history, God has sent in these critical leaders. And they're sitting around your dining table. They're driving with you to soccer practice. They're potty training. You're tucking them in at night. 
and they're looking to you to be an example of living by faith, not by sight. They're looking to you and I to be models of what it looks like to live with a supernatural, holy confidence, even through the tears and the questions that may be there. Will we be ones who choose to believe the words of the Lord over the edicts of man influenced by powers of darkness in the unseen realms? And if you cower now, if you give in to despair, you are going to sink under the oppression all around us. You're going to shrink back in fear when, church, you have been called to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's time for fearless parents, fearless mentors, fearless mothers, once again, critical leaders at a critical juncture. Thank you for listening. We hope that this podcast has blessed you today. And we would appreciate it if you liked, shared, and subscribed to our channel. Or maybe you would like to partner with our ministries. Just go to lsa.church forward slash give. Or if you're ever in our area, we would love to see you in person. Until next time, be blessed and we'll see you soon.